Hello, Future Foodcast listeners. We are excited to have another episode today. As you know, we are a group of industry experts and food technologists talking all about the future of food. I want to thank, uh, shout out to our sponsor, Farm to Plate, a software company who is committed to creating tomorrow's food ecosystem today. I'm Pam Miller, your host, and today I'm welcoming with us Art Bell. He is the co-founder of Connect 12. Art, welcome to the podcast. Hi, glad to be here, Pam. Yeah, we're excited to dive into some of the unique things that you have to share with us today, Art. First of all, Connect 12 might not be a company name that some of our audience knows. If you could explain a little bit about what you do there and and why you started doing that. Yeah, sure. We're a management consulting firm um, focused on the food service industry. Um, We've been around now for seven years. consulting to all the different players um, in the value chain for food service. And, and that's really been one of our, our key missions and opportunities when we founded the firm. Um, we saw an opportunity to really bring the value chain together in a new type of way. So working with not only restaurant operators, or operators, restaurants, and, and also other non-commercial food service places, um, but then also working with distributors as well as manufacturers and all the partners um, that were that service them. Um, you know, it's it was been it's been an exciting time in the industry, and you know, as we saw the need for connectivity growing, we really saw a niche that that needed help. Um, at the time, we founded Connected Twelve. There was a lot more data coming on board for the industry. You know, me personally, I've been consulting and working with the industry now for 22 years, um, 12 plus years as a consultant, 10 years uh, for a food service manufacturer in Chicago. Um, and prior to that, I started in consulting. Um, but it's really been a great journey as we put this together and, and build Kinetic 12 Initially, it was always there's no data in food service, right, compared to, to retail. Um, then about seven, about 10 years ago, it was like, no, there, there is data now. Um, and now the question became, well, what do you do with it? And that was really one of the genesis for why we founded Kinetic 12. I've been working, um, consulting for food service seven years with Kinetic 12 and five years for a previous firm um, that wasn't focused on food service, was more general about CPG, retail, food, had a lot of other industries that they covered. Um, but really kind of saw that opportunity to really grow that. Um, and prior to that, I actually started my career at Deloitte Consulting, and, uh, but then spent 10 years um, with a major food service manufacturer in the Chicagoland area. So, um, you know, it's it's been, an, it's been an incredible journey with a lot of opportunities still ahead of us um, within food service. Well, it sounds like you're well qualified to be working, you know, in the management consulting space all across the value chain. And when Kinetic 12 is well positioned, you've got a lot to work with. As you said, there has been a lot going on in the area that you work. So what are some of the things that are happening out there in the food food area, food service, retail, all of that? Yeah, well, it's it's been an it's been an interesting time, as many of your I'm sure many of your listeners know. Um, obviously, the pandemic changed a lot, but from our perspective, it really just accelerated a lot of trends that we saw going on. Um, you know, as we're thinking about connectivity, thinking about collaboration, um, those things were brewing. But it was always an industry that was slow to change, right? And and really needed an impetus to really kind of think differently about the business. So, you know, it was taking small steps 
Um, but then COVID happened, you know, everything shut down. Then everything reopened <laughs> and all the consumers wanted to go back out to the restaurants and go out and get back to their normal life. But then there obviously there was the supply chain issue, right? Because now there, the labor wasn't there and you weren't able to get it. And now we're seeing this, the supply issues becoming better. Um, so there's definitely, we're seeing progress in that area. Uh, but now it's, you know, obviously inflation and what's the consumer going to do and how they're thinking about the dollar. So, you know, it's, it's really, it's really hype. It's really accelerated a lot of the things we saw when you think about technology, data, how companies work together. And now companies are no longer playing at such lip service. They're actually trying to think about how do I build something that's more sustainable and think about how I really work with my partners in a new way. Yeah, and you talk about working with partners and and the pandemic kind of forcing their hand. I, I think people had to lean on each other because everybody was trying to solve these big issues to be able to keep operating and deliver their product or service to the consumer. So that that working with their partners together and trying to figure out how do we first of all, there is more data available. There's there's a lot more analytics. So great to have somebody like you to take a look at that from a bird's eye view and be able to make recommendations on that, help people understand that because the data is great. But if you don't know what to do with it, then that's not helpful, right? You've got to be able to take some action on that. Uh, So what are you seeing with the partners and working together? Like, is that that helping with everybody meeting their supply needs and the supply chain communicating all the way end to end or what? I'm sure it's a process. It's still a process and there's, there's definitely more opportunities to go. Um, You know, we do a lot of work with um, the industry associations, um, particularly IFMA, the Food Service Manufacturers Association. They've been actually a very strategic partners of ours. And I, I personally have been working now with them for 10 years and really around this space of, you know, how do we create, um, you know, a better network where we can do those things around sharing and, and pieces like that, um, you know, especially with some of the information that's out there. But, but sometimes it's just, honestly, it's just, it's getting into a room, understanding what the issues is and starting a, a frank conversation um, with with parameters, right? So that's where we often come in with building tools and templates and thought starters and things that can help initiate that um, to bring those partners together. But it also, you know, you need other partners. So we we build a strong relationship as well with IFTA, uh, which is the Food Service uh, Distributors, International Food Service Distributors Association, you know, because they are a key cog in all of the supply chain. And interesting enough, you know, they've got to through such a transformation. I, I I would say outside of the operators, which have been all, we'll talk a little bit about the restaurants in a second, but outside the operators, they've really been challenged the most. I mean, they're, they're old business models. You know, when you think about not being able to get drivers, which was always a, which was a challenge even before the pandemic happened. Now you get, you know, even lack drivers and, and warehouse staff. I mean, the amount of technology now that they're really thinking about and say, hey, I just can't do it. I can't, I can't staff a warehouse. It was such a manual business. How do I, how do I bring that technology in? What can I do? And now, but they can't do it alone, as we've talked to IFTA and some of their members about. Now they need the partners, they need manufacturers, they need operators to kind of think through and create that better value chain. 
And then I've left the, the operators to last because it always starts with the operators from our perspective. You know, when we think about our industry, you know, if we can all better support the restaurateurs, um, the other food service operators, it helps everybody. It helps uh, distributors. It helps manufacturers. It helps uh, Kinetic 12 because they are the person that's really enabling that that choice with that consumer, right? We want the consumers to come and have an enjoyable experience, enjoy eating out, so they continue to do it. And that helps fund all the things we're doing. Um, and they've obviously had a, a very, very tough time um, up and down through the last two years. But I will say, you know, we do a, a, a product, we have a program called Emergent, um, which is really focused on emerging chains. So really think about those chains, maybe 50 to 250 that are growing quickly, right? So that they have the opportunity to really have an outside opportunity. Manufacturers are interested in them. Distributors are interested in them because it really helps them grow their business because these are going to be the growth engines in the future. So we have a program where we talk to them quarterly. And I will say we just are wrapping up, you know, our conversations for Q1. And it, they're, they're actually positive. They're cautiously optimistic, which is great news for the industry. So we're, we're seeing some people, they're, they're thinking sales is okay, but they are acknowledging that the fundamentals of their business has changed. Like their cost of goods have changed, right? Their, their labor has changed. And while they're, they're happy with sales and cautiously optimistic that they can, you know, maybe that it won't be a recession and the consumer will still stick with them. They're also no acknowledging that they need to change their business models, right? To, to make it more profitable. And they are engaging with people like distributors, like manufacturers to do that. So, you know, we are working directly with a number of operators. We've also worked with the, the National Restaurant Association. They have a group around supply chain expert exchange, which we've worked in the past. And then actually IFMA has also created groups of operators. So there's a lot of, you know, how do we get that voice of the operator into how we think about the model so we can create a better, a better model out there. Right. And I think, you know, being out there and talking, doing talking with those emerging uh, chains and knowing what they're feeling right now, what do they need to keep yep. their business moving forward? And that cooperation with the manufacturers, the distributors, the operators, it sounds like they all need to be talking and working together. So these organizations and the conversations uh, are critical, I would think. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think it's, um, I, I think definitely there's a, you know, we advocate just starting the conversation, right? And, and initiating the conversation, um, understanding who your strategic partners are, because obviously you, you can't, we don't have, there's not enough resources in the whole industry to support a million conversations. There's a lot of different players in this industry. Um, but once you understand who really, as a company, taking a self-assessment, understand who, who are those really key players, um, and then initiate that conversation and start talking about them, but then leverage the tools that are out there. It's not just an open-ended, hey, let's catch up kind of thing, or let's figure out the issues, bring data, bring facts, bring innovation, um, bring solutions. You know, they're looking, for example, we know operators are looking for labor solutions. Okay. And when you're calling on them as a manufacturer, bring things, think about that and bring those solutions. It's not just selling a product. It's really about how do I think about that solution 
that I can bring to the operator to help their business with my product as part of that. Yeah, that's a really good, if you're any manufacturers out there listening to our podcast, Art just dropped a golden nugget right there. Bring your customers some solutions to the problems you know they have other than the product you're selling or the service you're selling. What do you know about the industry that you can help them with? Well, Art, along those lines, I know that you're involved with a lot of different groups and you're dealing with that entire value chain and supply chain. But what are you seeing out there, either trends that are happening or things that we as an industry can be doing to to do better? Are there some key things out there that are a focus at this current moment? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different, you know, there's a lot of people that are are trying different things. I think definitely, you know, we did some work um, on behalf of a couple of industry associations and looking at some of the trends out there. And so things such as technology is a key trend, Um, thinking about um, automation, right? When you think about warehousing, it's going to be another, another key trend that's out there. You know, thinking about other ways to source product. One thing that we see that's really growing quickly, especially in the distribution space, is this idea of the endless aisle, which is actually comes from other industries. But it's the opportunity where distributors now are not necessarily looking to stock all the product that they have um, for, an op- for an operator to a potential customer in their warehouses. They're looking to leverage other, whether it be third-party redistributors, whether it be manufacturers shipping directly on their behalf. But this idea of, you know, how do I create a more efficient, you know, uh, asset in my warehouse and continue to service those customers, right? You know, technology is just playing a, a key role in that. I just want to ask quick questions, make sure I understand about the endless aisle. I haven't heard that before. Is that I, what I understood you saying was that means maybe a distributor doesn't have to keep every product that they're going to get for an end consumer. They just have to know where to access it, right? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. They, it, they well, would have they, sourcing somewhere else, but they know they can get it. Yeah. So what they'll do is they'll they'll offer a product in their order guide, knowing that it's not in the local DC, but they offer it on the order guide. And then when uh, an operator makes that order, it could be either shipped directly to the DC overnight from potentially redistributor, potentially direct from the manufacturer and or the manufacturer. I know one of our clients, you know, they're able to send the product directly on behalf of the operator. Uh, I'm sorry, on behalf of the distributor straight to the operator. Right. So once again, adding value to that customer, you know, and supporting a better value chain. So you don't have all this labor and stocking and, you know, all the challenges with that, especially for some items that may be, you know, aren't necessarily everyday items like low turn type of products um, and new items. That's another one we're seeing a lot, thinking about how sampling happens as a manufacturer, how do you get that product? So there, there, there's a lot of different ways now for manufacturers to think about servicing that that operator and they should really take a hard look at all those options and figure out what's best for them. Well, and as an operator, I'm hearing several advantages here because I operator A, Pam, I'm having trouble with labor. So the fact if you as a distributor can vi- provide me a single source yep. for my orders, wow, that's already saving me trying to figure out where do I need to go? What what manufacturer, what other distributor do I need to access and order certain things over here, other things here, maybe a third, just have it all disparate. If you're my central source, solving that issue for me where I can go to you and then let you leverage your relationships and partnerships, 
I'm willing to even maybe pay a little bit more for that, right? But also those manufacturers are happy, I would think, to have other ways to get their products to those operators that might not otherwise be getting them. So there's you can leverage that on several layers. I love that collaboration. That sounds like that would really help in, in several different areas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, another another good one for your manufacturer listeners that we see a lot is, you know, even fast casual, so kind of that that the thoroughbred of the industry, really, you know, very natural, high, you know, high quality ingredients. They're all rethinking, I, I won't say prepared foods, but but you know, how much of that labor to prep food is done there versus offsite, right? And and I will tell you that, you know, operators that you would never Four years ago, would say, "Oh no, we will, you know, we'll prep, we'll chop, you know, we'll do all of the prep here. We want the best quality ingredients." Now are saying, "Well, if you can assure me a higher quality, I don't want the the low quality kind of you know things. But if you can assure me the quality, and you can help with labor, you can help with training, you can get me something that's that's you know pre pre prepared a little bit. Usually, those they're having conversations that." that that they wouldn't have had four or five years and they're open to that. But once again, it's not it's not for manufacturers, not necessarily leading with that product. It's really talking about, I know you potentially have a solution. I have a problem with labor in, in the back of the house. Here are some here's some products with the highest quality but can help you think through that and and working with them. Once again, it's about the collaboration. It's not just the one-time sell. It's about talking through them and working with them to make sure they're comfortable and getting the quality they need for their units. So. And it sounds like then individual operators could leverage the scale that a, that a distributor or manufacturer might have. Right? They don't have yep. to. You don't have to single have people at each end location, that just makes a lot of sense to be able to scale it up. If you can provide, like you've said multiple times, the quality, which is really important to that operator. That's uh, that's probably the key, right? Just to give yeah, the- it is key. And it's one of those things, you know, that's that's still a hurdle. Um and but I, we know they're high quality products um, that manufacturers can prepare. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that the hurdle is lower, but it's still a hurdle, right? You still need to make sure you're able to deliver upon that. Uh, right. So the operators we've been talking about, I think a lot are, you know, restaurants or the fast casual, like you were just talking yeah. about. And, uh, but what about other non-commercial places like more universal, like hospitals or schools or what's happening there? Because that's really a different market are are you working in that area as well i'm assuming yeah we we do work there's actually um through our relationship with um ifma the the food service manufacturers association you know they've really taken the leading edge with what they call their food service leadership councils um which is really focused on some of those kind of non-commercial um you know non-commercial food service operations um and, and the interesting thing there is um you know honestly it, it's amazing we've we've led a number of groups and work sessions and are helping with some of the um their day to day and honestly they they just want support they they do feel like you know the restaurants have taken a lot of time and resources and get a lot from the manufacturers and they're like hey we're you know we we have needs we have opportunities right a lot of them are servicing a lot of consumers they've gone through a lot of change i mean think about business and industry bni i mean they they were shut down and now they have a whole new business model. I mean, because there's people that aren't going back to the office. So how does, you know, how do they need to change their their operations? And so a lot of them are just looking for that connectivity and right and that that information. You know, one thing we 
typically talk to our clients about is a lot of that you have inherently from your work with restaurants, right? You you know what's going on. And it's really powerful to take some of those learnings you may see in the commercial space um, with restaurants and just start applying those, you know, to non-commercial. They'll see a ton of value. You're bringing them solutions. You're bringing them products that help their needs. And that will really accelerate and, and create deeper um hopefully profitable relationships with them. Um, so it's not necessarily creating new things. It's sometimes it's just leveraging some of the things you've seen before, um, but just establishing that relationship, um, especially with those key, you know, LLO, those local leverage operators, those big ones that control their purchasing um, decisions um, and helping them build those things. And they'll, they'll be loyal. They'll, they'll definitely support you. Okay. Very interesting. Um, so the, Everybody's really looking for solutions is kind of what I'm hearing you saying. There seems to be a lot of conversation happening and people are trying to figure out because the problems, the challenges are really across the spectrum. Is that what I'm understanding? Like, Yeah. That? Well, what, what we said is it, it's, it's interesting when, you know, prior to me joining, you know, the food service industry 20 years ago, you know, I worked in management consulting. So I, I hit a lot of different industries, um, financial services. I worked for some of the autos. I did actually worked in coal. <laughs> Interesting oh, enough. Uh, besides CP, I did do some CPG work as well. No value chain is like like the food service value chain I've seen. Um, it is really interesting. You know, it, it's ripe um, for disintermediation because there are so many intermediaries. We've made it very complex. There's a lot of you know, historically, there's been a lot of lack of trust and a lot of lack of transparency um, mm -hmm. within the value chain. Um, so you really had all these silos that were kind of set up. And it was like tossing things over the silo and hopefully, you know, it, it gets where it needs to go in an efficient manner. And those, those are really starting, you know, to break down. And, and so definitely there's there's opportunities to kind of you know rethink that value chain with some of the technology that we're seeing um come on um you know there's there's more to go the conversations are part of it there's definitely technology part of it um but definitely that evolution is occurring i mean we're starting to now see technology really come into play you think about you know things such as you know transparency of products so now you know when we talk to a lot of operators yes the distributor sales were up. The DSR is still very important, um, but a lot are searching online now for products. They are, you know, they're starting to look online and, and go to manufacturer sites or go to, you know, what we're calling marketplaces, but some of these technology-based, you know, internet startups um, that are, you know, that show, it, you know, different products that are available in different distributors. So it's really changing the model a lot. And so, you know, when we think about how this needs to change it's, it's really an exciting point but definitely it's one of those things where you know definitely take stock you know wherever you are if you're a manufacturer distributor and operator you know take stock of where you are um and think about the, the new model because you know because it's so complex you can't do it alone your your own technology your own initiatives will only get you so far you should do it but your own efficiency initiatives honestly with this type of industry will only get you so far and then the next step is to kind of go out and kind of think about the whole network effect and go out to your network and see how you can become stronger with your partners. And that will really start catapulting um, some of your efficiency efforts. Yeah, a good point about leveraging 
what else is happening out there and that you're limited by your your own ability to figure out solutions, but you can leverage what other people have done just by getting out there and, and finding out what's happening. But something else you mentioned just a minute ago about the transparency. I think what I'm hearing with guests that have been on the podcast is that consumers are looking for more transparency in the whole supply chain for their food. And I think we're getting there faster with the, the restaurant operators and those those individual client facing, you know, a lot of times you can find out what the source of foods are in a restaurant. A lot of them are also talking about more local sourcing for that reason. They know right where things have come from. And with the challenges they had in the supply chain, they had to find alternative sources. So they went local because then they didn't have to deal with boats and barges and all of all all that was happening with yep. with sourcing outside of the country they were in but um in the more non-commercial space and you know dealing with larger institutional providers i think it's a little bit behind i mean if you go through some kind of cafeteria line or a business you don't always know the sourcing i think that's maybe the a next frontier problem i don't know what are you seeing out there I think it is, but you, you'd be surprised. You you would be surprised. And I work with some of the the non commercial operators. They're 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 onto it. They're into it as well. Um, definitely. When you think about college and university, I would say outside of some higher end, like you know, when we think about um, menu adoption um, and think about how trends get started from our partners, one of our strategic partners, Data Central. So they've really pioneered this. Some thoughts in this. I mean, it's really you know, fine dining, you know, some of the ethnic dining, but then seeing you is actually there because their consumers are right on the cusp of understanding these things. You know, they often want to know where their products are. They're interested in, you know, um, different um, the economic conditions of the workers making the product, right? Is this sustainably done? I mean, they, they there's a lot of information that they want. Um, and so definitely, you know, I would put college and university right there, as well as some B&I, depending on the location, you know, because not all restaurants, I mean, there's some fast food restaurants where they, you know, they don't, the, the sourcing doesn't matter, it just needs to be good, you know, the quality food to meet, for meet the customer value, and it needs to be quick and ready to eat, you know, so, so I think, I think there is a balance um, between that. But yeah, definitely tracking that for understanding and be able to tell that story for consumers is huge, right? And and we did see a dip in that a little bit during the pandemic, right? It was it was going it was going very strong. The pandemic hit and just like, okay, I just need food, right? As long as you can get me food on a plate, I just want to get out to the restaurant. I'm I'm less interested in that. But that's mm -hmm. now coming back, right? Now the consumers, you know, people are eating at restaurants, are back to kind of their their normal lives in a lot of ways. Um, now they're saying, hey, I do care, you know, about, you know, you know, not only where the food comes from, but the company that's providing the the food, you know, will tell me about, you know, where you're sourcing it. But tell me a little bit about you as a company, as a provider, as a manufacturer of food. So you guys, manufacturers definitely need to be ready with that story, you know, definitely for some segments that are really interested in that. Yeah. And that's really an interesting point. And I'm glad to hear that some of those non-commercial operators are right up there. I just di didn't have a window into that. I yeah. knew that you would. That's why I brought that up. So thank you for sharing that. Wow. We've, uh, I'm sure we could talk all day, but we've covered a lot of really interesting topics all through the value chain and IFMA and IFTA and 
just all the different impacts that different associations in the industry can have and are having. Encourage our listeners who are in places where um, joining some of those associations would make sense for them to check out what's going on there and get involved and help be part of the solutions. But Art, I would love to know if there's anything else you'd like to tell our listeners before we go today. Any kind of initiative, any kind of thoughts, positive outlook you see, whatever it might be. Yeah, I think definitely it's an exciting time for the food service industry. I mean, I think definitely those of us that have been waiting for change um, and hope and seeing the elements of change are finally, it's finally arriving. So I would definitely tell them to, you know, to embrace the change, right? That there's definitely a, a lot of opportunity there, you know, to work with your partners in a, in a different way. And I think this is this is the time, you know, where we're really as an industry going to start moving forward. Um, and sometimes, you know, we've said there's always that potential for, for disintermediation, right? For somebody to come in and really shake up this industry. Um, and it hasn't happened yet. I think I personally believe it's because of some of the complexity we talk about, but it's always better for the industry itself to adopt, right? Because there, there's established players who have a lot of resources um, that can help as well as some of these new nimble players. I mean, we didn't even talk about plant-based and some of these new product companies that are coming out on the scene. Um, but definitely, you know, think about your business, you know, in a new way um, because there, there's definitely opportunity and there, there'll be partners that we're looking for that as we try to evolve this. Um, so for the next, for the next century, hopefully, <laughs> at least the next 10 years, we'll say century might be ambitious. Um, <laughs> well, maybe we could meet partway and say the next 50 years are next, next 50 years. So yeah, but, um, but like I said, I, we love it. We love working with partners um, in the industry. It's part of our DNA. Like we love, you know, working with manufacturers and distributors and, and operators. And we think, you know, by talking to everybody, it gives us better solutions for everybody. Even if it, even if it is a project just for a manufacturer, by us knowing what the distributors are saying and the operators are saying, we can build better solutions. So we 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 love working and where we sit in the industry. Um, and I, I encourage people to go to to associations like the Food Service Manufacturers Association, like um, if the the Distributors Association, like the National Restaurant Association. Um, there's a lot that are out there and they're playing a, a key role as we think about how to unite this industry and really lead this thing forward. Yeah. Well, we are excited that you're a part of it and sharing your expertise with all of the clients that you work with, Art. And we're so happy that you were able to spend some time with us today on the Future Foodcast. I also want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Farm to Plate, again, a software company. They're enabling better food supply chain management. And you can check out more at farmtoplate.io. Thanks again, Art, for being with us. Okay, great. Thank you for having me, Pam. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcasts. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 